Section 56 of the United States. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Piotr Nater. The World's Story, Volume 13, The United States, edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 56. When the English Discovered California, 1577-1579, by Edward Everett Hale. In 1577, Sir Francis Drake set out on a voyage to America. He rounded Cape Horn and sailed fearlessly up the western coast of the continent, sucking a Spanish town or capturing a Spanish treasure ship now and then by way of pastime. He went to the north, hoping to find a passage to the Atlantic, but was driven back by the intense cold. At either the harbour of San Francisco or some bay not far from there, he stopped to refit his ships and then crossed the Pacific on his homeward voyage. The Editor the day after they entered this harbour an indian came out to them in a canoe he made tokens of respect and submission he threw into the ship a little basket made of rushes containing an herb called toba drake wished to recompense him but he would take nothing but a hat which was thrown into the water the company of the pelican supposed then and always that the natives considered and reverenced them as gods in preparation for repairing the ship, Drake landed his stores. A large company of Indians approached as he landed, and friendly relations were maintained between them and the Englishmen during the whole of their stay. Drake received them cautiously but kindly. He set up tents and built a fort for his defense. The natives, watching the English with amazement, still regarded them as gods. One is tempted to connect this superstition with the direct claim which Alarcon had made of a divine origin in presence of these tribes a generation before, though at a point five hundred miles away. Fletcher's description of their houses is precisely like the Spaniard's account of the winter houses of the tribes he met. Quote, Those houses are digged round within the earth, and have from the uppermost brims of the circle clefts of wood set up, and joined close together at the top like our spires on the steeple of a church which being covered with earth suffer no water to enter and are very warm the door in the most part of them performs the office also of a chimney to let out the smoke it's made in bigness and fashion like to an ordinary scuttle in a ship and standing slopewise at the end of two days an immense assembly called together from all parts of the country gathered to see the strangers they brought with them feathers and bags of tobacco for presents or for sacrifices arrived at the top of the hill their chief made a long address wearying his english hearers and himself when he had concluded the rest bowing their bodies in a dreamy manner quote unquote, and long producing of the same cried oh giving their consent to all that had been spoken this reminds one of the who of the indians of the tison the women meanwhile tore their cheeks with their nails and flung themselves on the ground as if for a personal bloody sacrifice drake met this worship not as alarcon had done but by calling his company to prayer the men lifted their eyes and hands to heaven to signify that god was above and besought god Quote, to open their blinded eyes to the knowledge of him and of jesus christ the salvation of the gentiles 
Through these prayers, the singing of psalms, and reading certain chapters of the Bible, Fletcher, who was the chaplain, says they sat very attentively. They observed every pause, and cried, Oh, with one voice, greatly enjoying our exercises. They thus showed a more Catholic spirit than the whites had shown, who were wearied by the length of the address of the savages. Drake made them presents, which at the departure of the English they returned, saying that they were sufficiently rewarded by their visit. The fame of this visit extended so far that at the end of three days more, on the 26th of June, a larger company assembled. This time the king himself, with a bodyguard of one hundred warriors, was with them. They called him their Hioch. He approached the English, preceded by a mace-bearer who carried two feather crowns with three chains of bone of marvellous length, often doubled. Such chains were of the highest estimation, and only a few persons were permitted to wear them. The number of chains indeed marked the rank of the highest nobility, some of whom wore as many as twenty. Next to the mace-bearer came the king himself. On his head was a knit crown, somewhat like those which were borne before him. He wore a coat of the skins of conies coming to his waist. His guards wore similar coats, and some of them wore coals upon their heads, covered with a certain vegetable down, almost sacred, and used only by the highest ranks. The common people followed, naked but with feathers, everyone pleasing himself with his own device. The last part of the company were women and children. Each woman brought a well-made basket of rushes. Some of these were so tight that they would hold water. They were adorned with pearl shells and with bits of the bone chains. In the baskets they had bags of tobach and roots called petach, which they ate cooked or raw. Drake, meanwhile, held his men in military array. The mace-bearer then pronounced a long speech, which was dictated to him in a low voice by another. All parties, except the children, approached the fort, and the mace-bearer began a song, with a dance to the time, in which all the men joined. The women danced without singing. Drake saw that they were peaceable, and permitted them to enter his palisade. The women showed signs of the wounds which they had made before coming, by way of preparing for the solemnity. At the request of the chief, Drake then sat down. The king and others made to him several orations, or... Quote, indeed supplications that he would take province and kingdom into his hand and become their king and patron with one consent they sang a song placed one of the crowns upon his head hung their chains upon his neck and honoured him as their hyo drake did not think he should refuse this gift Quote, in the name and to the use of queen elizabeth he took the sceptre crown and dignity of the country into his hand he only wished, says the historian, that he could as easily transport the riches and treasures wherewith in the upland it abounds to the enriching of her kingdom at home. Had Drake had any real knowledge of the golden gravel over which the streams of the upland flowed, it may well be that the history of California would have been changed. From this time, through several weeks, while Drake remained there, the multitude also remained. At first they brought offerings every three days as sacrifices until they learned that this displeases their English king. Like other sovereigns who have had much to do with this race, he found that he had to feed his red retainers, but he had muscles, seals, quote-unquote, and such-like, in quantity sufficient for their rations. Drake made a journey into the country. He saw, quote-unquote, infinite company, 
of fat deer, in a herd of thousands. He found a multitude of strange quote-unquote conies in large numbers, with long tails and with a bag under the chin in which to carry food either for future supply or for their children. Drake erected on the shore a post, on which he placed a plate of brass. Here he engraved the queen's name, the date of his landing, the gift of the country by the people, and left Her Majesty's portrait and arms. The last were not designed by his artists, as some historians have carelessly supposed, but were on a silver piece of sixpence, quote, showing through a hole made of purpose in the plate, end quote. When the people saw that Drake could not remain, they could not conceal their grief. At last they stole on the English unawares with a sacrifice which, quote-unquote, they set on fire, thus burning a chain and bunch of feathers. The English could not dissuade them till they fell to prayers and singing of psalms, when the sad natives let their fire go out, and left the sacrifice unconsumed. On the 23rd of July the friends parted, the English for the shores of Asia, the savages to the hills, where they built fires as long as the pelican was in sight. Thus did England take possession of the region which, after near three hundred years, proved to be the richest gold-bearing country in the world. Drake gave to the country the name of New Albion, and it bore that name on the maps for centuries. End of section 56